Well, good morning again. <clears throat> so I told Leah that um, we were going to do a, a preaching series this summer celebrating in the Psalms. She was pretty excited, and I said, you know, but we're going we're gonna, to, you know, I want to have a corrected understanding of celebration. It's not just about all this, you know, partying and, and just happiness, putting on a, a happy face. You know, I want, I want to sort of correct it, bring it down a little bit. And she said, is that because you hate summer? And I said, no, maybe a little bit. So I, let's be honest here. Summer stresses me out a little bit, right? It's like there's so much. Yeah, Chris, it does. It does. So there's so much free time in people's schedules that it just gets loaded and packed in with all this travel going here and there and all these activities. It's hot. It's sweaty. I'm pale. Very pale. Sunburns, uncomfortable, bugs. I mean, summer's, summer's okay, but I mean, so, so 4th of July, it's like this is the middle of the summer holiday. It's this big deal. It's supposed to be a lot of fun. Hot dogs? Not that good. They're just not. They're just not that good. So we went down to the Cape, to Cape Cod, and um, my mom was asking for, for pictures from time to the Cape, and I was down there for about 24 hours. It's about as much as I can handle down there. And, and she, you know, pictures of what happened at the Cape. And I, I said to Leah, I was like, I'm going to take a picture of my eye. This is the reason why I'm wearing glasses this morning. Like, it's not because I'm trying to look intelligent, and it's not working. But what I brought back from the Cape with me was a bacterial infection in my eye from swimming in a pond on the Cape. I'm like, this is summer right here. So, so yesterday, I'm at the, the doctor's office, drive all the way to Wilmington. I'm sitting there in the doctor's office with this itchy eye, um, waiting and waiting. I had to deal with the pharmacist, like three different pharmacies for insurance and this and that. And, and I'm sitting there in the waiting room. And sure enough, guess what is playing on, you know, on, over this, the stereo, over the speakers? Cool in the gang. Celebrate good times. Come on. <laughs> Sign. <laughs> now, it's summer, and it's time to celebrate, so we're told. Actually, it's always a time to celebrate. And we're going to spend time this summer in the book of Psalms learning how to celebrate. Now, as I said during the announcements, this is going to be a lot bigger than just the put on a happy face. We're going to stop together from our normal rhythms to acknowledge the one who is worthy of our attention. And this summer, we're going to do it by celebrating in the Psalms. We're celebrating Jesus. Now let me tell you, I love the book of Psalms. I love the book of Psalms. And this is the reason. Because, it, you know, at Community Church, we talk often about this book. This is God's story. It's His love letter. It's your lifeline. And when I stop and think about all the ways in which God has chosen to reveal Himself to us, I'm just floored when I think about the book of Psalms. Because couldn't God have just given us the story? Just the story of all that He's done. But no, instead, God has also chosen to reveal Himself through letters. Letters that tell us exactly how to be the church. He's also given us prophecy and revelation to show us exactly how things will come to their final redemption and conclusion. 
But best of all, in my mind, is like God is also in His amazing love and kindness. He's even given us the words to respond back to Him when we don't have any. That's the book of Psalms. That's amazing. That just feels like, like a totally unmerited, unwarranted gift from God. Like all the other gifts. But that's the thing about the book of Psalms. It is a collection of songs, of poetry, of lyrics that the Spirit moved through human authors and that God has given directly to us today. That's amazing. I, I might be going like way Bible nerdy on you right now, like excitement about the Psalms, but I'm telling you, it's an amazing, amazing gift. And if I was to sum up the whole book of Psalms, it's this. God is great and He is worthy of everything we have. And yet there's a lot of diversity in the Psalms too, as we're going to see this summer. And this is why we are celebrating using the Psalms. Because that's what God has given it for us to do. To draw us into celebration of Him. And to kick off this summer, we're going to dig into a light, sunny, happy Psalm 22. A psalm that at first glance appears neither happy nor has the word celebration in it. But trust me, it reveals the foundational posture of celebration. That's to look up. So this morning we're going to be in Psalm 22. It can be found on page 440 in the Black Pew Bibles. I'll also have it up on the screen too. This psalm is going to reveal that first step in celebration. The first step. Celebrating God means we turn to Jesus no matter what. Page 440 in your black pew Bibles. Psalm 22, this is the word of the Lord. To the director of music, to the tune of Doe in the Morning, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey. Open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and glow over me. 
They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to my help. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him, revere him. All you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. And all the ends of the earth will remember and they will turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. And all the rich of the earth will feast and worship and all who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring it to a people yet unborn that he has done This is the word of the Lord. The long one. Bright, sunny, and happy. (laughs) Have you ever felt like God is ignoring you? Felt like you were alone? Sometimes we just wonder, God, where are you? God is so loving, if he is so for me, then where is he? Because everywhere I look around me, I see brokenness. I feel pain. I see injustice. It just feels like God is asleep at the wheel. Have you ever felt that? This is the cry of Psalm 22. And we don't know much about this psalm or how it was used before Jesus, except that it was a psalm of David. David wrote this. King David. Yes, David the shepherd boy. David defeated Goliath. That David. And that he was played to the tune of Doe in the Morning. Doesn't really sound like a happy tune, but that's all we know about it. It's just called the Doe of the Morning. Sometimes we have a nice subtitle in the Psalms that, that sort of gives like the background, exactly what was going on in the life of David or whoever the author was, and we know exactly why it was written. This one we don't know. In fact, it's really hard to tell when in David's life in particular he was praying this. But this is what we do know. David's complaint is pretty clear. My God, my God, where are you? And David doesn't pull any punches at all. This is the cry of his heart. And if this morning you heard this word celebration and thought, nope, not right now. I am so not in the mood to celebrate. If you did a little eye roll, let me tell you, this is your psalm to draw you into biblical celebration. This is your psalm. And we're going to look into this text, and there's going to be three stories that answer this question. God, where are you? And they're all going to draw us to this idea. Turn to Jesus no matter what. 
because God is at work. God, where are you? This psalm is going to reveal a God who is radically near, a God who is at work, a God who acts. So whether we feel alone or whether we feel ready to party for Jesus this morning, the first posture of celebration is this. Turn to Jesus, no matter what. So I want us to dig into some of these stories. And the first one is, it's David, the author, the story of the author. And as I said, we don't know much about this psalm, except that David was in desperate need of God to act. And he turned to God with everything that he had to let him know he felt alone. Did you notice some of the repetition in the psalm? There's this beautiful back and forth. And it begins pretty heavy. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's not even a question of have you, it's why have you? But did you notice how David doesn't just stay there? He begins with this honesty and conviction before the Lord. This is my complaint. I don't see you. Where are you? God, I feel like you're not doing anything. But there's also this repetition of how the psalmist doesn't just stay in the complaint. And actually, that's what a lament is. You may have heard this word lament before. And many of the psalms are laments. But they never just stay with a complaint. They're always matched with a full trust in God's power and His willingness to act. Look at verses 3-5. through five. To summarize it briefly, He's saying, I can't see you, God, but I know who you are and I know what you've done in the past. And I'm going to cling to that hope. And again and again through this psalm, as you, as you look through it quickly, you'll see this, this repetition back and forth. That David feels like a worm that everyone around him, not only is he, is he sick or, or, or broken or afraid, whatever it is that he's going through, but also the people around him are taunting him in the midst of it. And yet, what does he do? He says, I remember you. You were the God that were there with me from my mother's womb. And the thing he repeats over and again in this psalm is a request. It's, it's real it is visceral. It's one that I'm sure all of us in this room have felt at one time or another. This prayer right here. Do not be far from me. It says it again in verse 19. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. That's a beautiful prayer. And we don't know what happened. But did verse 22 feel like a sharp right turn to anybody else? We don't know exactly how God answered this prayer, but we know that He did. Perhaps it was in some healing of sickness or protection from enemies, but God acted here in David's life because suddenly He turns and says, I will declare Your name to My people in the assembly I will praise You. And in fact, you remember the words of, of, of verse 1, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? Look at verse 24. It's the exact opposite. For God has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden His face from Him, but He has listened to His cry for help. And the whole heart of the song 
ends with this beautiful picture of people from every land, tribe, nation, and generation, even a generation yet unborn, feasting and worshiping and coming before God. God did something in the life of David. He acted in the life of David. And he said, all generations will proclaim this, that He has done it. God has acted. God has acted in our past. And this is true of all of our stories too, isn't it? There might be seasons in our life, whether we're new to the faith or we've been walking with Jesus for years, where we might desperately wonder, God, where are you? And David, a man after God's own heart, a a man who it seems like had a very special relationship with God, could say these words. He could tremble and ask God, where are you? I want you to think through his posture in asking that question. Who was he looking towards? Because even as he did, and even as we should, he looked up. He looked back to remember who God is, and he directed his complaint. Not just out there, but to God. That's the first story in our psalm this morning. It's powerful. But that's not the only story here. Because when you read this psalm, I might have lost you immediately away from David's story. He might have gone straight a handful of hundred years ahead, right to the cross. This is a song that has taken on kind of a whole new meaning when you look at what Jesus did on the cross. Because this is the psalm of the crucifixion. This is the ultimate picture of a God when we ask God, where are you? Are you going to leave us alone? It's the ultimate picture of a God who does not leave us alone. You can't read Psalm 22 without having the echoes of the Gospels playing in your ears. Right? From the very first words. The Gospels say, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus quoted this Psalm on the cross. But there's more. But verse 7, Matthew's Gospel says that those who passed by hurled insults at Him, shaking their heads and saying, He trusts in God. Let God rescue Him now if He wants Him. Or how about verse 16? Mark's Gospel says they nailed His hands and His feet to the cross. Or verse 18, when they had crucified Him, they divided up His clothes by casting lots. This isn't just a psalm of David. This is a psalm of the cross. For you and I today, when we ask the question, God, where are you? Will you act? Are you going to remain faithful? Do you care about us? We can hear these words, and we're not just drawn into David's story that God did rescue at one point in time, but we're drawn back into that moment of perfect love, the climax of the story of God's rescue. Where are you, God? Are you for me? Are you going to save me? As Jesus died on the cross, we have that perfect picture of a God who loves us, who rescues us. But not only that, but who can embody and know that very question. Because that's what He asked. As Jesus died on the cross, 
we know that in some way he was separated from God in, in some way. It's a great mystery. And yet we can begin to understand it a little bit as we look further in the Bible. It says that on the cross of Calvary, Jesus took on what we can't even begin to fathom. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. It says that Jesus took on the curse of sin. He humbled himself to the point of death. That begins to make clear why Jesus on the cross would say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He came down from the highest heavens to rescue you and me. We not only have a picture of a perfect plan, but of a God who knows exactly how you might be feeling. And when Jesus breathed his last, he said, it is finished. It sounds a lot like the way our psalm ends. God has done it. And that Jesus, even as he says these words, knows how the final plan is going to end. If this morning you're feeling the desperate weight of loneliness and distance from God, don't ever for a second keep your head down. Consider Jesus. He took on your sin. He took on your burdens. He took on the weight of that hurt fully. He knows your frustrations in their entirety. And He acted. On the cross, Jesus has forever bridged the gap and broken the separation. And He's purchased you. He's purchased a relationship for you with the Father. Hallelujah. And the posture we've got to take is, is here's the story. God acted in Jesus. And we've got to turn to Jesus no matter what. But that's not the end of the story we see in Psalm 22 or the third story we have here. And the third one is, it's our story. That God has acted in us. This isn't just some old song. Oh, isn't that nice? No longer applicable to us. This is the song, the words, the prayer that God has given to His church, to His people. Even you sitting here today. This is a gift from God to you. These very words to be able to turn back to Him. God not only rescued David, He not only gave His people in that time the words to righteously ask God to help us cry out to Him, but He also embodied these very words for us in Jesus. And now He's given you these words this morning. So let me ask, where are you in Jesus this morning? Have you been seeing Jesus all over the place in amazing ways? I've heard some stories over these last couple of weeks of exactly that. And you're like, this is dark this morning. This is a little heavy. I haven't seen Jesus everywhere. That's awesome. That is awesome and I celebrate with you. But perhaps this morning, you feel like David's complaint is yours. God, I feel alone. Please, where are you? Are you for me? Have you forgotten me? And you might be wondering, is it even okay to ask? Is it even okay to ask God, why have you forgotten me? Absolutely, this is your psalm. Just think about that for a minute. God has given you this word. It's your, your liturgy, your worship this morning. Psalm 22. The words on the screen. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God has given you absolute permission to ask that. And the church family, the church 
is the place for that to be asked. Absolutely. And this is why we've begun a series on celebration in the Psalms with what on the surface does not feel like celebration at all. But you know what it captures? It captures the very first step of celebrating. Before you get to the party and the dancing and the jumping around, if that ever happens, the first step is turning. The first step is turning to Him. turning to the one who is worthy of your attention, turning to truth, turning to Jesus, even if it's out of frustration. Because you know what? Maybe for a time, you might feel alone, but this is the promise of Scripture. This is the promise of Psalm 22. It's the promise of Jesus that God will act. He is for you. He has acted. He is the God of rescue, of healing, of redemption. And there is no place that you could go where you could ever be separated from the love that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. God will act in us. We can turn to Jesus no matter what. We've been off a lot this morning. You've heard me preach kind of twice. (laughs) But the desire of this series is to not simply be um, this really lofty idea I want it to meet us right where we are and to equip us as a church to be able to actually celebrate in the midst of good times as well as in the midst of heartache, in the midst of sickness, and even in the midst of death. And the question we're going to seek to answer each week is how does this psalm draw us into celebration? How does this psalm draw us into celebration? And this morning, Psalm 22, it's really simple. It's really simple. But it's the most important building block to a relationship. Turn to Jesus no matter what. And we need to dignify God with our honest selves. This isn't a place for perfect people. And the fact that God's Word, His Psalms that He's given to us, aren't just these you know, stale words that feel disingenuous to where you're really at this morning. No, He's given us the very words to lay before Him. Our honest selves. He invites you, like David, like Jesus, ask the question, God, where are you? And maybe even stick around for the answer. And I feel like this is maybe where we've been a lot this past year, between the sabbatical, between the spring and Thessalonians, between even the the past series and the next chapter thinking through, what could God be calling us to? That first step is always turn to Jesus. Turn to Him this morning. And I think you might very really be feeling, well, what does that even look like? That just feels so ambiguous. And I want to give you some really clear things to think through today. And the first one is this. Some of you might be here for the first time thinking, I want to, I want to even figure out what it looks like to focus on Jesus. You might be thinking, I don't even know what he's done yet. That's awesome. And we're so thankful that you are here. And I pray that the beauty and the truth of this psalm, of a God who is revealed in this way and chose to reveal himself in this way, would draw you into worship. And I invite you this morning, even right now, to stop and ask God. 
Just ask Him. Help reveal Yourself to me. Help me to see You this morning. Help me to know even which direction to look. Ask for humility and strength to turn towards Him. For others of us, we might feel like, I love God, but my focus always just seems to be occupied with other distractions. I want to be a person who celebrates, who has my attention captured by what is worthy and what is significant. Well, I have an encouragement for you this summer. Live in the Psalms this summer. If you need a starting place, start right here. There are 55 days until we finish the sermon series. Actually, 50 days until the last sermon is preached. And this morning, we've, we in the back have a reading plan for the summer. Like, reading plan, yes, I'm so excited about that. But if you're looking for, like, just give me a real practical step, here it is. Before you walk out the back door this morning, pick up a piece of paper. Have that be the first step. Three psalms a day for the next 50 days. And that is living in the psalms this summer. We've prepared the reading plan. There's just two simple questions. If you're looking for a place to start, pick one of those up. Living in His Word, living in the Psalms, sticking around. Stick around with Him. Ask God, stick around. And lastly, if this morning you are desperately wondering, God, where are you? because of the, the, the weight of brokenness and injustice around you. Don't leave this room without praying through this psalm. It's your psalm. It's your psalm this morning. If you are feeling the question of, God, where are you? Take this psalm and receive it as it is. It's a gift from God to be able to turn back to Him. And even during the next uh, the worship set, during the first song, I invite you, reread through this psalm. Pray the prayers of David. Pray the prayers that Jesus re-said for us. And remember to look up at Him. If that has to be the first step, just take His words. If you don't even have the words to say, to celebrate, celebration feels like the last thing that would describe what you're, what you're feeling this morning. Take Psalm 22. Make it yours. And I tell you, that is stopping together to acknowledge what is significant and what's worthy of our attention. That's the first step of celebration. Turning to look at Jesus. Don't stop watching for Jesus. This summer we're celebrating Jesus in the Psalms. And I pray that God would begin even this morning to stir in our hearts. Stir us further towards Him. Maybe even these very words that He's given to us to respond back to Him. And let's begin with that first step this morning as we continue in worship. To turn to Jesus no matter what. Will you pray with me? God, there are so many different things that would vie for our attention. We are addicted to the busyness of life. We might be addicted to things that literally harm us. Or we might just feel apathetic. 
or we might be broken before you this morning. But no matter what, God, I pray that you would turn our hearts towards you today. We need the work of your Spirit to be even begin that process. God, we ask that you would stir in us, stir in us a focus on you, stir in us a posture of looking to you, even if it's in complaint, that you would be the first place that we would go. And may every tear, every smile, every bit of joy be worshipped to you, God. May it proclaim a God who is worthy of our attention, a God who we adore, who we long to see more of, who we long to know more of, we long to see your gospel sent out into this city. That this city would know that you are the living God and that you are active and at work in this world. God, may our worship this morning continue now and draw us into the rest of the week with hearts that are celebrating you, whatever that might look like. We're focused on you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.